Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for checking in to the Life of an Average Joe podcast. I am Brandon Navera. I'll be your host for the next 30 minutes or so as we kick off a new series that I've been super excited to talk about. I could really possibly go on for months about this, but we're going to make a three-part series for those about to rock, all focused on concerts that I have been to, backstage shenanigans, uh, some of the, the, the hard times I've had trying to get tickets to concerts, and just some of the great stories I've had from going to see live music. Look, it's November. We're still in the midst of this nasty, nonsense election mess, this 2020 pandemic year. But let's focus on the good times, okay? No more nonsense. Let's, let's get back to what this Life of an Average Joe podcast is about. And what that's about is some of the crazy stories in my life, the average Joe, what I've been through. And I really, you know, I really wanted to talk about music. So this is part one of the For Those About to Rock series, and I'm very excited about it. So we have a lot of music to cover, a lot of concerts. I'm 41 years old, about to be 42. So I have been to a ton of concerts in my life, uh, from huge festivals, music festivals, to, you know, the small stages, the more intimate settings, uh, different venues in different states. I've traveled, I've flown to concerts. You know, like most of you, concerts have been a huge part of growing up. And there was a time back when I was in high school and I had all that expendable income or, you know, that money that just didn't matter. (laughs) Looking back at it, yeah, it did matter, but that's a different story. And we were going to concerts, I swear, three, four times a month. I mean, there were times that I was skipping school almost every Friday to go get tickets. And it just, you know, it just brings back so many memories. And one of the things that has suffered during this pandemic and during 2020 is the music industry. From the big guys to the little guys. And I talked about this when I was talking about some of the live music or some of the new music I've been watching uh, during 2020 via Facebook and YouTube and, and listening to live concerts on Spotify and all that because we don't have concerts right now. We really don't. Although some are starting to come back, it's it's not the same. It's the small ones and it's it's just not what it was prior to 2020. So looking back at some of these concerts and having conversations with with friends of mine that, you know, we, we just miss that live music. So I wanted to do a series about the concerts I've been to, because quite frankly, there are some of these concerts that I'm never going to be able to see these people again. Either they have passed away, they've retired, they're, they're done. Um, I mean, just crazy things. So I wanted to go back and, and talk about that. And in this first part of the series, I wanted to look at concerts as, the, as what they used to be. You know, granted, I'm, yeah, I'm 42 years old. I'm not, you know, some people have stories about going to Woodstock and going and see Joplin and all those guys back in the day or going and see the Rolling Stones for, you know, eight bucks. You know, I, I don't have those. I'm not that old, guys. Okay, so everybody calm down. But I have a lot of cool stories. And, and remembering the concerts and, and how special they were because they were special. You know, my dad and I went to the Palace of Auburn Hills. That's used to be in Michigan. They've since imploded it or exploded it or demolished it or tried to demolish it. It's gone now. 
Um, but it was a great venue. When the Detroit Pistons left Detroit and went 45 minutes north, they, their home was the Palace of Auburn Hills. And it was a really cool state-of-the-art venue at the time. So this was back. I mean, I was probably 10 years old. Maybe uh, give or take a year or two. And my dad and I went. He bought me tickets. And you got to remember, my parents, you know, they grew up in the church. I grew up in the church. So although I got away with a lot of stuff, and they were probably let me get away with too much, there were still certain things that I could not and couldn't do. You know, I could or couldn't do. Going to a concert that young was something that my parents just didn't give me the green light on. You know, they didn't just say, yeah, go ahead. You can go with your friends. You can go with your, your uncles, your cousins, your whoever to go see whatever concert you wanted. They weren't exactly like that. I may have done those things, not that young, but they weren't like that. So being able to go to a concert with my dad was awesome. So he bought tickets to go see Striper. <laughs> now, for some of you that don't know who Striper is, Striper was a heavy metal Christian rock band. And they were heavy metal. I mean, they were Big Hair, Motley Crue. I mean, that's who they were. They, came, they rode out on tanks. They had guitars that were made into guns. I mean, everything that you could take an 80s rock band with the big theatrics, the screaming, the, the ballads, you know, take Motley Crue, take Poison, turn it into Christian music, and bam, you had Striper. And they were at the Palace of Auburn Hills, and it was the To Hell With The Devil tour. That was the name of the album, To Hell With The Devil. And my dad and I went. And we didn't have great seats. They were way up there. But the cool thing about being at the Palace was, at least compared to some of the other venues, you could see pretty much everywhere. And of course, being Striper, they had the fireworks and the theatrics, and, and it was awesome. I'm going to tell you right now, I remember that concert. I remember very vivid, specific moments. I mean, they rocked. It was so loud. And as far as I can remember, that was my very first concert that I had been to. It's not to say I hadn't seen live music before. You know, small venues or people I knew or people that knew my parents, you know, through church or something. I'm sure I've seen some music before. But to actually go to a concert... This was the first one I had went to, and it was epic. I remember buying, or well, I didn't buy. My dad bought me a shirt, a red striper shirt, and it said, to hell with the devil, had all the guys on it, whatever. I got in trouble for it, and it's a school. But mind you, I went to a private Christian school, and this was a Christian band, and I got in trouble for wearing it, but that's a whole other topic. Um, so, you know, I remember that. I remember driving home from the concert, I actually think this was a school night too, which is why I wore the t-shirt the next day. And I remember falling asleep and I just, man, I just, all I could think about was that music and how loud it was and rocking. I mean, it, it changed me. I mean, I've always been into music. As far as I can remember, I've always been into music. It's been a huge part of my life. It still is. It's why I, Luke and I jam out all the time. But I remember seeing that live and then playing those songs on tape the next day and the days to follow and remembering when they performed those songs in concert, it was such a moving experience. 
and I was hooked and therefore started my journey on going to live music, going to concerts. It wouldn't be the last time. It was the last time my dad and I went to a concert together, I believe. I think we went to see Michael W. Smith at a small venue with a few of my friends. And he was a Christian pop rock kind of guy um, back in the day. And I, again, I was young. Um, but that was the last one my dad and I went to. Obviously, our music is very different. I mean, we listen to some of the same stuff, but not really. Um, if it's Motown and, you know, things like that, yeah, for sure. But most of it, no, very different. Truth is, I don't even know what my dad listens to right now. Probably the same stuff he listened to 20 years ago. Um, but that was the last time I went to a concert with my dad. But it definitely made me pay attention to who was coming in town. And that was the big thing about concerts back then. Who was coming to town? When were they coming? Who's announcing a tour? You knew that if a new album was dropping, and they would come out every Tuesday. Tuesday was the big music day. Every Tuesday, Harmony House would have a list of new music, new albums, new, you know, new records, new vinyl, then new tapes, then new CDs. And you knew, oh man, they're good. I hope they come in concert. And it was really cool because it's, it's very different than now. The album would drop, and within the first couple weeks, after they kind of got an idea of how the album was doing, that's how you knew what type of concert was going to be, what type of tour was going to be. You knew when Aerosmith came out with an album, you knew it was going to be a big tour. But you didn't know about some of the other bands. So they all tied together, and they would announce things on the radio too. That was back when radio was radio actually played music that mattered and you had you know shows or or DJs that actually talked to you about music and would do interviews with the bands not like it is today um, where it's just a bunch of crap and they play the same 20 songs over and over again so you would look forward to the to the music Tuesdays and I'd hear rumors you know because again we also had MTV MTV, which was music, which would actually play music. And they had MTV News, which would discuss the new music coming out. So you had all these things feeding into your music library and your music mind. And it would tell you, hey, this band's coming out with this album on this date. And I would write it down. I'd have little notes or in my little calendar circled, this album drops. MC Hammer's got a new album coming out. You know, it's coming out here. Guns N' Roses is about to release User Illusion 1 followed by User Illusion 2. That means a tour. Metallica just finished the Black Album. Bam. Michael Jackson just came out with Dangerous. You know, all these things were huge. Nine Inch Nails just dropped their second album, The Downward Spiral. Or their third album, The Downward Spiral. And you could, you, you knew that MTV would help you and keep track of when the band was going to tour. And then you knew to follow Harmony House, which was the big one in Michigan. There were others, but Harmony House was it because they had a ticket master inside most Harmony Houses uh, where you could buy your tickets. You know, this is before online. You didn't buy your tickets online. Online didn't exist. And when it did start to exist, you didn't buy your tickets online. You could call the 800 number and try to get through when they went on sale. And they always went on sale on Fridays or Saturdays you, at, at 10 a.m. 
It was always 10 a.m. Sometimes there were pre-sales. So if you were part of the fan club, you could get a pre-sale code, which you could call the 800 number and get the ticket early. Or you would have a pre-sale uh, wristband or lanyard or something like that, where when you were in line, you could get the option to get there first. But typically, 10 o'clock, the phones went on, the computers went on, you, you that, that was the opportunity to get the ticket. So you could plan it, and I would plan. I would sit there and go, okay, what concerts are going to be attainable for me? How am I going to be able to get this ticket? Who's going to go with me and really go with me? Am I going to have to ask my parents to go? Which they wouldn't. It's not to say they wouldn't have gone. It was just a lot easier to go with someone else. That's just the way it was. At least that's how I felt, and I think I'm right. Um, so it was a big deal. And I would watch MTV quite a bit. I'd watch the countdown. I'd watch the, the news with Kurt Loader. Um, this is before all the stupid shows. And I'd watch, you know, VH1, VH1 Storytellers, Behind the Music, all this great stuff. Of course, it's funny. The Behind the Musics back then were Behind the Music with current bands and artists, not Behind the Music years later. But I would watch it and pay attention to who was coming and, and, and what Harmony House was going to drop. And it was a big deal because you knew if you missed that concert or at least missed the opportunity to buy that ticket, you were done. You were just out. You know, today you can find a ticket to anything. There's no true sellout concerts because there's always an option to buy a ticket. There's always another third party, you know, third party seller that's going to jack the ticket price up online. But if you really want to go, you can go. So it's not about getting tickets the day they go on sale. It's just about getting the ticket. I mean, you can literally go the day of the concert, and I'm not talking scalpers, and go online, and for the most part, you can find a ticket. So it wasn't like that. When the concert sold out back then, they sold out, and you had to find a scalper. And I had a guy, and I'll get to that. Not now, but I'll get to that. Uh, maybe in part two. Eh, maybe in this one. Who knows? Um, but you had to get that ticket. And if you didn't get it the first day, chances are the second day, if they were still available, they were going to be really crappy seats. So you could go, but there's really crappy seats. And nine times out of ten, or I'll say eight times out of ten, that concert was done. It sold out. Especially the big boys. So you better be on top of it. And the process to get that ticket was not walking in at 10 a.m. to get in the ticket. And that's what I'm going to talk about now. This is, this is what made these concerts so special. I mean, it made it such a big deal, not to mention the price was way different back then. So I remember getting these, you know, lavish ideas in my head of all these concerts I were going to go to, and I didn't get to make them all. And I've been in line when they sold out, and it was depressing. So we were going to go see Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam at the time, they came out with the album 10. I believe I was in eighth grade. <laughs> yes, I was. And they were, gonna, they were doing this small venues. So they were going to these different colleges to do the small venues there. They weren't doing big venues. They weren't doing the Palace. Uh, Pontiac Silverdome was definitely no. I mean, that place was huge. Again, no longer there. 
um, they weren't doing that. They weren't doing Kobo or Joe Louis Arena yet. They were doing small venues and they were going to different colleges. So I remember them going, you know, in Ohio. I saw them at, so there was some college in Kentucky. I don't remember which one. And then they were coming to Michigan and everybody was like, okay, where are they, where are they gonna go? They're gonna go out to Michigan State. Are they gonna go to Michigan? Well, they were coming to Ann Arbor. So Ann Arbor was about, you know, I say 20 minutes, but just for fun, 25, 30 minutes tops. I think you could get to Ann Arbor in 20 minutes, honestly, from, from where we lived at the time. And they were coming to the University of Michigan. Now, not many, there's not many reasons I would go to the University of Michigan unless it's to watch Michigan State go green, play the Wolverines, or that's about it, or a concert. So they were going to the University of Michigan to play. They were doing different ticket sales. And this is what probably, it should have been a flag that showed me that Eddie Vedder and the guys from Pearl Jam were, were annoyed with Ticketmaster. And I'll get to that too. So they were going to the University of Michigan Ann Arbor. I knew it was gonna be a small venue. I also knew that Pearl Jam was huge, or was blowing up. And I knew this was gonna be one of those tickets that you had to get, to, you had to get concert tickets for. You better get them because you're not gonna be able to go. Well, how they did the sales, they did it through an independent uh, vendor or distributor, not Ticketmaster, which was the known place at the time. Still is, really. Um, of course, they're Live Nation. But anyway, um, so we had to go down to the venue. Tickets were going on sale at 10 a.m. on a Friday. But we had to go down to Ann Arbor. Well, here I am in eighth grade. This had to be freshman year. Somebody had a license. I don't remember. No, that's not true. Okay, rewind. So we had to go down there to get a ticket. But we were in school. Well, what do we do? We do like every other kid. We skip school. It's Pearl Jam for crying out loud. So we skip school in my buddy's car. Yeah, this was, this was definitely freshman year. So we skip school in my buddy's car. We drive to Ann Arbor. We got there probably at 7.50 in the morning. I think I told my parents that I was getting picked up early so we could stop and get some breakfast on the way. We never even went to class. <laughs> we just went straight to, to get the tickets. The line was wrapped around. I looked at this place and I said, there is no way that we are gonna get these tickets. But we waited and the guy came walking down the line with a wristband. He said that if you had this wristband on, you were guaranteed to get a ticket. May not be the one you want, because it's Pearl Jam. Who's worried about sitting down at a Pearl Jam concert, especially during the years of 10 when that album dropped? This was not, you know, Eddie Vedder now. This was Eddie Vedder, I'm gonna climb a chandelier and jump off of it. So nobody was worried about seats. We just wanted to get into the venue and we knew how awesome it was gonna be. But he also told us that once we got our ticket, we had to keep this wristband on till after the concert. So not only did you get your physical ticket, you kept the wristband on. I mean, you had to sleep on it. 
This concert was the next day. This was not a week from now. This was buy tickets on Friday, the concert's on Saturday. Insane. And Pearl Jam did this for about a year with these different venues because they were trying to avoid the mainstream selling through Ticketmaster, jacking up the prices. I paid $18 to see Pearl Jam in, in 94, $18. So we get our wristbands. About 14 to 20 people behind us, they, they cut off. No more. We had just made it and we got there at like 8 in the morning or 7.30 in the morning or 7.50 in the morning, whatever time it was. We got there that early. We had just made it. There were people that had spent the night there. I mean, could you imagine the first guy in line? He had been there all night, the previous night. So we got our tickets. We go back to school. I don't even remember if I got in trouble after that. I'm sure I made up some nonsense that they didn't believe, but I didn't care. I was seeing Pearl Jam. And the next day, we go and see Pearl Jam. And I slept with my band on. Actually, I think I had my band on all weekend. I still have the yellow plastic wristband that says Pearl Jam and the date on it. I still have it. Um, But I slept on it. We went to see Pearl Jam. There was no opener. There was no, you know, giant merch table. The merch table was one of Pearl Jam's roadies sitting on a little tiny lunch table. It looked like a school cafeteria table with like the copy of the CD, stickers, because stickers are easy to make and everybody loves stickers, and like two t-shirts. Not like two individual t-shirts, just two styles. That's it. It wasn't crazy. It wasn't loaded with merch. And Pearl Jam's never really been about that type of merchandise like some bands. They have some really cool stuff and, and I've saw them again. And since they got bigger and all that and had more money, they got more shirts, but that's never really been their thing. I think I bought a sticker. I think I bought stickers. I don't think I bought a shirt at all, but I mean, I'm 99% sure I didn't. But I got the stickers. I don't have the sticker though anymore. I have no idea where that is. And we saw Pearl Jam. No opener, just Pearl Jam. And it was one of the coolest most adrenaline-pumped concerts I ever can remember. And Eddie Vedder was insane. Recently, I saw Eddie Vedder on Howard Stern. I mean, literally last week. And obviously, he's older now. I mean, he's older than me. And his whole demeanor has changed. And who he is as a person's changed. He's grown and all that. But it's funny to see him now and see him talk and and hear him play. And even when he plays some of the, the louder songs like Alive and Even Flow or some of the stuff from Verses, he's still intense, but he's just, he's a different guy now. He's older, he's matured, he's not that guy anymore. But man, watching him back then thrash around with his long hair halfway down to his back, skinny dude, rocking out. It was one of the coolest concerts I've ever been to. And what made it cool, besides the performance and it being Pearl Jam, was how we got those tickets. I mean, there was no way. We almost, had we been 20 minutes later, 
we would not have gotten that experience. It was amazing. And that was an opportunity that those guys behind me, unless somebody got sick or they bought a ticket off somebody else and they managed to get the wristband off, they didn't get to see Pearl Jam. This wasn't, let me go online and find a ticket and pay five times the amount to get. They missed out on Pearl Jam. And that made it like, dude, I was there. This is how I got that ticket. That's what made it so special. And that's happened multiple times back in the day. So I remember another, another story, looking at tickets. And these are all different times. I remember <laughs> my buddy and I, Ken, who did the uh, Life of an Average Joe podcast with me, the Halloween edition. Uh, he'll be back on to talk about his book that he wrote. But, and his second one coming out soon. Um, him and I were big music guys too. We like a lot of the same music. I think, I think our level of who we think is like our top 10 or top five bands are different, but there's a ton of music that cross-mojinates with each other. And we may appreciate it differently, but we, we love music. So this was years later after Pearl Jam, The Prodigy or Prodigy, huge band from England. Um, it's like electronic meets rock. I mean, I can't really describe it. If you, I mean, he just passed away not too long ago, but the prodigy Firestarter, breathe. I mean, you, you know, these guys, if you don't, you should, uh, I just played them <laughs> when we opened up the life of an average show podcast. So that song you heard is breathe by the prodigy. Loved these guys. Never thought I'd be able to see them because they didn't come to the States much. They, you know, they just didn't. There are some of those bands, they don't, they don't do a big world tour. This was not a giant Rolling Stones, Aerosmith, U2 style band, but they were epic. Ken and I found out they were going on sale. Tickets were going on sale. They were coming to Detroit and we were ready. We were like, we are so seeing Prodigy because this is one of those bands that you're never going to get the opportunity to see again. How do we get tickets? So we found out that they were going on sale in a week at Harmony or on Ticketmaster, 10 a.m. So we already knew we're going to Harmony House. There was a Harmony House on Grand River in Novi, Michigan. Um, it's gone. It's long gone. Actually, it's technically wasn't Grand River. I mean, I guess technically it was. There were two on Grand River. But anyway, um, it's long gone. And I mean, because they're all gone. <laughs> But we found out, so we said, all right, we're going to get there. We were doing the debate of, are we going to get there early? We want to get there early because we know the venue they're going to. Um, and we knew where they were going and we knew how small it was. So we knew it would sell out. We, again, this is one of those bands you don't care about seats. It's Prodigy. Nobody cares. You just want to go see that concert and rock out to it. And... They were coming to this venue in Detroit called the State Theater. Now, it was next to the Fox Theater. It's not called the State Theater anymore. I don't even know what it's called anymore, <laughs> to be honest with you. It sold out, but it is one of those old school venues. Beautiful venue. Actually, used to be, um, uh, there was a club there, uh, Club X there. Every Saturday night, there was they turned it into a nightclub. But I think the Fillmore's bought them. Actually, matter of fact, the Fillmore did buy it. And it, it's no longer the State Theater. But anyway, beautiful venue. 
beautiful. I've, I've gone to so many concerts there and so many club nights there. But we knew it was small and they had a, they had the mezzanine and then they had the second, like another, it was like a step up. There was like a bar and tables and then they had the floor. Well, we didn't care. The mezzanine was awesome anyway. So if we could go to the mezzanine, we'd be happy. But we knew we had to get there. We knew it'd sell out. And again, I don't have the luxury of going online and buying tickets. So we planned it. Let's get there early. We went back and forth. How early are we going to get there? Do we need to get there? Okay, maybe at 9. Should we get there at 7? We settled on 8 o'clock. So we're getting there two hours. And this was summertime in Michigan. So it wasn't like we were waiting in the cold. We get there two hours early. There's already 15 people in line. So I'm like, well, thank God. Because what if we would have got there later? Who knows? Within 30 minutes of us waiting in line, 40 more people showed up. That's at one location. So you can imagine the multiple locations, or they actually went down to the box office in Detroit to buy the tickets. Or, and all the people that were calling the 800 number buying the tickets. So we waited. The guy came out. What are you guys here for? Because some of the tickets had limits. You can only get two tickets. You can only get five tickets. And then there were other multiple concerts going on sale at the time, you know, same time. So the guy or the people running it would pick the most popular concert and say, we're going to knock these guys out first. We only got two computers. If you're in for this line, this is the Prodigy line. If you're in for this line, this is Disney on ice. I don't know, whatever. Sometimes they would tie up both computers for the same concert, which would suck if you were the other person trying to get tickets to see, you know, Cher or or why would you want to see her? I don't know, Sarah McLaughlin or something at the time, but uh, which by the way, we've gone and saw. (laughs) I'm sure I'll talk about that too. Um, So he came out and everybody in line was there for Prodigy. So he wasn't too concerned with any other concert at the time. So he was in for Prodigy. We get in line, we're waiting. Boom, doors open, we walk right to the back. It's this little makeshift-like room. It's got this two computers on there. The guy's sitting back there, hanging out. How many tickets do you need? Boom, two tickets, Prodigy. Ken and I paid like 10 to $12 for those tickets. We got the mezzanine. That's how fast it's. That's all that was available. What do you got available? And that's what we would say. What, what do you got available? He'd punch in two and that pops up. Hey, I got the mezzanine. Cool, we'll take it. Because by the time you thought about it, those tickets would be bought already. They would be gone. And you'd have to come back in and get whatever next was available if there was anything. Because you got people all across the country and the state doing the same thing. So we got our tickets, and then I think Ken and I went to the Denny's across the street. And then who knows what we did that day? Probably nothing. But we got our tickets to Prodigy. Now, the concert was in July. And Detroit, I mean, they do the 4th of July fireworks, but they do a Freedom Festival. It's like the week before the 4th, and that's the big display of fireworks along the river. Because you got to think, you got the Detroit River right there. That separates you and Canada, or the United States and Canada. And they would do the big display. Boats would go across. It was really cool. 
Well, the Fillmore, or at the time, the State Theater, right downtown, off of Woodward, across from where the new Tiger Stadium is, where the Detroit Lions play. I mean, it is a busy area. There's bars. It's probably one of the coolest areas in Detroit. You're also not too far from the tunnel or the bridge to get to Canada. Well, Ken and I, it didn't dawn on Ken and I that we would be going to see Prodigy the day of Freedom Festival. So we get down there early and it's hot and we have to wait in line. And we're waiting in line. We're waiting to get into the building. We're down an alley. We got our tickets, so we don't care. We know we're going to go in the mezzanine. We don't care. We got our tickets. We're on the side. A van pulls up. Another van pulls up. Out pops Prodigy. And they're loading up. They are literally walking in front of us to load up. I mean, I might have said hi. They might have said hi. It wasn't like we hung out. But to sit there... And we're like, dude, we are waiting in line. And here's the entire band unloading as they're walking in. I mean, if I had a cell phone at the time, I would have snapped a picture. And I I think I possibly did have a cell phone, but you weren't taking pictures, that's for sure. And Ken and I were like, dude, this is going to be awesome. Well, Prodigy had two openers. They had another local, local DJ from Detroit who I don't remember anything about. And then they had one of their DJs they brought from England who was pretty sweet. And then they set up their stage. Again, Prodigy, at least not here and definitely not at this venue, they're not a big like stage production. They're just going to come out and rock, high energy. You're going to lose a bunch of calories, sweat your butt off, and you're going to rock. It's going to be awesome and just dance. Well, I remember when Prodigy came out and they were rocking. I mean, they were rocking. Not only could you feel the bass in your bones, the mezzanine was moving up and down. Everybody was bouncing up and down on the mezzanine, that the mezzanine itself was moving. And I sat there thinking to myself, this thing's going to fall and collapse. And I don't care because Ken and I are just rocking out. We're bouncing around. There's a wrestler, a WWE wrestler named Al Snow. He used to come out. He, he was with ECW as well. He used to come out to the song Breathe that I played earlier. And he had this little shrunken, or this little mannequin head that he would carry and talk to. I know, it's a long story. We brought those mannequin heads. So when that song, when they perform Breathe, we're jumping with the mannequin head going crazy. And I can hear the mezzanine crack and and expand and I'm sitting there thinking like what's the over under on all these people breaking this thing what's the weight limit and do we care because we're at Prodigy it was one of the coolest experiences ever and one of the best concerts because I've never saw him again and of course he you know he recently passed away but we're done with the concert and we're thinking to ourselves oh man okay now we got to drive back home in this traffic no big deal but we get out The streets are filled on a July night in Detroit, filled with people. There's vendors everywhere. There's food trucks and fireworks are going off in the sky over the Detroit River. So we're sitting here like this is by far the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life because we just had this concert and now we get to, we have the best seats in the house and we're walking around talking to everybody from Detroit, just hanging out, having a good time. Um, And it was awesome. I mean, (laughs) 
I remember looking at Ken. Ken and I just talked about this the other day, saying, what are the odds that we got to see this amazing band perform at a great venue, and now we got a fireworks show? And we would have never got those tickets had we not gotten there at 8 o'clock, because that was a truly sold-out concert. I don't remember seeing any scalpers, like real scalpers, that night, and usually you do. But this wasn't the first time that Ken and I got tickets together, and it wasn't the last, I mean, obviously. Um, There was another time, a much larger scale concert, very large scale. This is why I'm making this a three-part series, because I have so much. And this is only part one, guys. This is part one. We're going to focus on the cool concerts, how we got the tickets. Part two is going to get a little fun, I'll tell you that much. But anyway, um, so Ken and I were going to look at concert tickets, and we found out that the man himself, Prince, was coming to the Palace of Auburn Hills. This was 97, I believe, maybe 96, but I think it was 97. Prince was coming. If anybody knows me, you know I love Prince. If you don't know I love Prince, you're about to find out my love for Prince. I talked about it in my other music episode, how I watched Purple Rain. I snuck and watched Purple Rain. How I bought the album because my parents didn't think it was appropriate. I love Prince. I'm still mourning his death. Um, A tragic year. Prince and Bowie. I don't even want to talk about it. Anyway, so we found out he was coming. We were trying to figure out. We knew these tickets were going to sell out. This is Prince coming to the palace two days before Christmas. It's going to sell. No, I'm sorry. Two days after Christmas, it's going to sell out. How do we get tickets? Where do we go? We were strategically planning or strategizing. We were planning our attack on how we're going to get these tickets. Do we risk calling negative? Because you get on hold, an operator screws up. No, we need a credit card. We're paying cash. We don't have credit cards. It's not like nowadays everybody and their brother can find a card. We didn't have credit cards back then. How are we going to go? So I said, let's not go to Harmony House because that's going to be packed. Let's go to JCPenney or Sears. So across the street from Harmony House, where we got our tickets normally, there was 12 Oaks Mall. And 12 Oaks Mall is still there. I don't know if Sears is there. I haven't been there in years. I mean, when I go to Michigan, I don't say, hey, I want to go to 12 Oaks Mall. But in the basement, we called it the basement, the bottom, the second, the first floor, in the back by the restrooms and customer service, there was a Ticketmaster booth. Now, we didn't go there for multiple reasons. One, you had to enter the mall, run down the stairs, run around to the, to the ticket booth, and by that time, people could already be there. It was just the way the entrances worked. It was a pain in the butt. On top of that, the people working the ticket booth had no idea what they were doing. It was like going to the DMV. If you guys have ever, if you got kids, you've seen this movie, Zootopia. And they have the sloth back there working. It was like that. Or let me put it this way. It was like the people trying to count ballads right now. They just don't know how to get past 10. But you had these old, obnoxious, mean ladies. I got to boot up my computer. Hold on. 
I mean, that thing should be booted at 10 o'clock and you're waiting as tickets are selling. Like in your head, you can just see tickets disappearing as you're waiting for some 90-year-old, 500-pound woman to punch a button in a computer that is waiting to load up as she's spelling the artist wrong. How do you spell Prince? I mean, I, I, you know, so that was, that was what we decided to do, though, because nobody went there so we had a better chance of getting tickets than if we went to a Harmony house where everybody goes. Of course, clearly nobody and their brother has thought of this plan except for Ken and I because we're the geniuses. So we decide even better. Instead of getting there early, let's sleep in the parking lot and wait. And that way we can get by the door 30 minutes, 40 minutes, however long, we can keep an eye out. If we start to see people walk up to the door, we'll get out of the car. It's December in Michigan. That's all I'm going to tell you guys. So Ken and I decide we're going to go to 12 Oaks parking lot and sleep in my car, my K car, my Chrysler K car. It's, if you're not familiar with a Chrysler K car, it's not a luxury vehicle. Although I miss that car sometimes for some reason. But you remember when you were a kid, unless you're an artist, and you, you draw a car and it was like a big square? That's the K car. That's a, I had a gray Chrysler K car. It wasn't even mine. It was my parents and I got it. And I wore it into the ground. But anyway, Ken and I are going to sleep there. Now, Ken, I've been the same height since I was like six. So Ken, on the other hand, is a big, tall dude, you know? So we're going to get cramped up in this K car. And it wasn't about sleeping because we, we, you know, we're, we're used to not sleeping. But that's our plan in December. So we're going to have to turn on the car, shut it off, turn it on. I mean, that's our logic. So we go there. We pull in or we're getting ready to, to plan our trip or snacks, sleeping bags. You know, we know we're going to be cold and we're going to take off as we're leaving the snow starts to pick up. Now, I only lived like 10 minutes. Ken and I lived, you know, like 10, 15, 10 minutes from each other. We lived about 15 minutes from uh, 12 Oaks. If you took the freeway, maybe less. So it wasn't, it wasn't a drive. And we were in Michigan. We don't care about snow. It's not like here in Texas where, you know, a snowflake comes down and they shut the schools down for a year. We're used to this stuff. But the snow is coming down and it's a lot and it's fast and it's sticking. So Ken and I look at each other. We know being from Michigan, this is not gonna go away. This is one of those snows that's gonna snow all night. And I'll be darned if I didn't drive down Grand River, didn't even get to Wixom, which was the next city, and that snow was pouring down, I couldn't see anything. There's no turnaround. This works to our advantage. How many people are going to spend the night in the snow for Prince? I mean, people should, but how many are going to? Not to mention if this snows all night, how many people are gonna just be calling on the phone while we're there? So this works to our advantage. We spent the night in 12 Oaks parking lot and that snow, I had to, <laughs> I actually had to get out of the car and scrape the snow off the windows so I could see. And I was also worried that we were going to get snowed in. 
So I had to keep the car running for a while, but then we were kind of paranoid, like we're gonna die in the car running, that we'd keep the window cracked a little. So every now and then snow would be falling into the car or the, the whole window would be covered up and I had to like poke the snow out and we were trying to stay warm. It was insane. I don't think we slept. The, the two of us may have slept 30 minutes. Somebody would take watch, but you couldn't see anything anyway. So you just have to cover up. The only people we saw occasionally was a snow plow as it got early in the morning trying to plow through the parking lot so they could open. Because again, unlike Texas, we didn't close. So I remember it was getting ready to be 9.30. I saw two people walking up to the door. And I was like, they're here for prints, let's go. We got there. Well, turned out they were just employees. It was a miracle. Prince shined upon us. Nobody showed up. So when, they, when that door opened for the employees to come in, Ken and I snuck in. And we walked downstairs and stood in the hallway. And when people came by and said, what are you guys doing here? We just told them we were new employees and had to wait. Nobody questioned us. So then when the sloth or the revolting blob or Jabba the Hutt ladies showed up, we went right up to them. We're here for tickets. Okay, well, what time? Lady, you know what time they go on sale. You punch that computer. Now this is Prince. I got two tickets. We didn't know how much they were. Ken didn't have enough money. And I didn't have enough money to get him his ticket because I had to buy for somebody else that gave me the money. There was a girl that I was hanging out with at the time. Anyway, long story. But um, so I couldn't, I just couldn't get it. I said, Ken, man, you want me to, let's come back. You know, I got money at the house. We'll come, we'll go get it. We'll come back. Even if you're not in the same, you know, seat as us. He's like, man, that's just way more than I wanted to spend. He bowed out of it. To this day, I can't wrap my brain around it because I probably would have chopped off my index finger and given it to the lady to see Prince. And we got the tickets. And the thing is, they weren't that bad of seats. They were the second tier up at the palace. They weren't on the floor. They were on the facing the stage right side. Fourth row in, in the middle. I mean, I had to like tilt my head just slightly to the right. But with Prince having that big walkway out in the center, I mean, I was there, man. So I'm excited. My, my, you know, my life is complete. It's two days after Christmas. It's time for the concert. I pick up, I pick up this girl that I'm seeing or hanging or whatever we're doing. And we drive out to the Palace of Auburn Hills. Again, I couldn't tell you if Prince had an opener or not. I know he did, but I don't know who they are, nor do I care. I didn't buy any merchandise. Again, it was two days after Christmas, and I spent a ton of money on these tickets. Prince came out. That place erupted, and it was full. It was full. I mean, I'm pretty sure it was a sellout. It's Prince. And he went on. He played for over three hours. I remember at one point, the palace flipped the lights on, all of the lights came on. I mean, not just like a couple lights. I'm talking like last call, get out lights. He stopped what he was doing and he looked, you better turn them damn lights off. That's what he said. He pointed, you better turn these damn lights off. I ain't done yet. I'll tell you when I'm done. And it took a minute and he said, I'm not kidding. And he just, like he was, this was not part of the show. He was pissed. And the lights shut off and he played another 35 minutes. 
greatest moment. Of, I mean, just seeing Prince. Ah, oh, he did everything. New, old. I mean, it was, he was unreal. I, to this day, I can feel it. Like, I can see the, the purple and gold lights shine across the audience. I can feel it when he looked. And he didn't stare at me, but he was looking at me. I was like, oh, my God, I, I am in the presence of greatness. This is Prince. And he performed Purple Rain, and he performed, um, you know, the most beautiful girl in the world, and uh, let's go crazy. And I just sat there like, I'm never gonna have, I'm never gonna have this opportunity again. And I never did. I never got an opportunity to see Prince again. And of course, he passed away, you know, years later. But I never, not, not even close to get the opportunity to see him. And the funny thing was about that concert when we left, it was a snowstorm. I mean, it took us two and a half hours to get home. And man, her dad was blowing up my phone because we had a cell phone at that time. Blowing it up. He was livid. But we saw Prince, so sorry, Dad. <laughs> he, I don't care how mad you are at me. This is Prince, man. And it took us two and a half hours to get home. And it was, the, it was worth everything. The money, the night in the K car, and the drive home, worth it all. But again, had we not done what we've done, I would have never seen Prince. And, and it's a concert that I'll never get to go to again. Ever. And getting concerts were huge. I used to go with my friend Chrissy. Um, big shout out. Her and I skipped school a bunch of times to go buy talk t- tickets. She came to me with me to go see Jewel. Uh, we saw Jewel at Meadowbrook, uh, which is a small, or Meadowood? I think it's called Meadowood. No, it's Meadowbrook. I don't know. It's a small venue in Michigan, very nice. It's outside. It's, I mean, it's in like, picture like the Arboretum in Dallas, but it's a concert venue. Very cool. And we saw Jewel there. It was just her and I, actually. Just one of my cool buddies, love her to death. Uh, very excited to go see her back home when, when we go in a couple weeks or in a month uh, to Michigan. She's awesome. She's a, she's a go green girl, so much love there. Um, but we saw Jewel there. We bought Lilith Fair tickets together. I went, to, you know, this guy has gone to four different Lilith Fairs, maybe three. And some of them were great. Sarah McLaughlin, Tori Amos, uh, Missy Elliott. I mean... Uh, Mary J. Blige. It was a big woman festival, but it was some great talent there, and we bought tickets to those concerts. Jewel was at one. Um, then there's some guys that showed up at Little Affair too, some other bands. But we've, you know, we we'd sneak out and buy those tickets. And it was cool to go to those festivals because you had a bigger chance of getting the ticket. Nobody wants to sit in a seat at an outdoor festival. You want to sit on the grass. We go to Pine Knob, and we go sit on the grass on the big hill, which it's, it's, it's a much better place than like DT or Jexa or whatever that place is called in Dallas these days. The Dos Equis, Jexa, Smarties Pavilion. I don't know. They change the name every two seconds. But Pine Knob was gorgeous. You'd go skiing there and you'd go see concerts and they had trails and, and we'd go to those festivals there. And it was awesome. Saw Bon Jovi there, um, Ted Nugent. I don't even like Ted Nugent, but I saw him there. Another another ticket that we got, which was great. I couldn't believe it. We found, <laughs> this was rare, but 
because it, it didn't happen. These 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 exciting things didn't happen all the time. Um, and this was one of the coolest moments that I missed. Eighth grade Guns N' Roses. I'm a huge Axl Rose fan. Love Guns N' Roses. To this day, Guns N' Roses to me is still one of the coolest bands ever. I still love Axl. As crazy as he is, as ups and downs as he has, his failures and successes, Axl Rose is still one of the coolest frontmen ever. He's a pain, but he's, he's psychotic, but one of the coolest guys ever. So I was Axl for Halloween. Walked around in my underwear. It was great. Um, we got tickets. Eighth grade, Guns N' Roses. Just, they just came out with Usual Illusion. Blind Melon was opening up for them. I think I talked about this a little, but I didn't tell you guys the story. So my buddy Toby, Gavin, this girl at the time that, that was good friends with Stacy, we were all Guns N' Roses fans. They tell me, hey, we're going to get tickets. I was like, give me one. Don't even care about price. Get me one. It was 20 bucks or $25. They went and got them. Now, they were on the side of the stage, third row. Wasn't behind it yet, but it was on the side. Could be a good venue, could be a good seat, could be a bad seat, didn't matter. It's at the palace. That's where they were. So a few days leading up to the concert, I am sick. I don't care. It doesn't matter. The day of the concert, I'm throwing up profusely, like flu. I don't care. I'm going to make it happen. I didn't have a cell phone in eighth grade, but I had my own phone line in my bedroom. So I'm calling my people up telling them I need rest what time are you guys going to be here cool well they showed up and I was sweating I was puking things were coming out of places I didn't know I, I lost five pounds just thinking about getting up I mean and I remember Gavin they we were all going to go in his pickup truck he had a blue pickup truck we were all going to cram in it or sit in the bed of the truck and drive 45 minutes that's, that's how smart we were I couldn't go, so I bailed. I still paid for that ticket, but I couldn't go. I couldn't do it. I made the decision. I could have lied to my parents and said I was fine and, and played it, but my legs hurt. My bones hurt. Like I, it was, I was sick for like a week. So they went to the concert. So I missed my favorite band of all time, Guns N' Roses. And again, I never got to see Blind Melon because Shannon who killed himself afterwards or OD'd or something. I think he OD'd. Um, but uh, maybe he killed himself. I don't know. It's been so long. But I didn't get to see Guns N' Roses. I heard about it. I get a phone call. Late that night, I answer. It's from my buddy Toby. Maybe this is why him and I don't talk anymore. I don't know. Um, he caught... Matt Sorum's drumstick because he sat in my seat. <laughs> the drumstick, he threw him out, looked over, threw it out. Because Toby was in my seat, supposed to be there, he grabbed and caught the drumstick, probably still has it to this day. The Matt Sorum, that should have been my drumstick. I missed it. Now, I did get a t-shirt. Stacy got me a t-shirt. But I missed the Guns N' Roses concert. They had never come back to Michigan again. Then they broke up. It wasn't until years later that Ken and I got to see them. It was the Chinese Democracy. Y'all remember that album? It was Axel's new band. It was good, but not great. And it was okay. It was a cool concert. 
And of course it was snowing. It was at the Palace of Auburn Hills. But then they came, they, it was like months later, we went and saw them again and they were phenomenal. And this was right before Axel decided to bury the hatchet with Slash and get back together with the full band again. And I had tickets to that and COVID happened. But anyway, so I did finally get to see Guns N' Roses years later, twice. Different band, still good. But it still hurts me to this day that I had those tickets because my friends went and waited in line all day or all night, really, till they went on sale, got me the tickets. Then he sat in my seat and he took that drumstick. That was my, I, I feel like I have a case here. I feel like they owe me that drumstick. But yeah, so I miss Guns N' Roses. So there you go. But that's it for today on this first episode, guys. We are going to talk a lot more about music. I was just trying to set the tone for you on what to expect in this concert series for those about to rock. The days of getting tickets the way we got tickets are so long gone. The internet heard it. I mean, they just heard it. And the prices, and we'll talk about that too in another one, but part of the fun of those concerts was waiting in line, anticipating, am I going to get a ticket? Am I going to get that good seat? And there were some concerts I missed. I missed Metallica. It sold out. I've never seen Metallica in concert. I missed ACDC. The tickets sold out in like three minutes. I could, the line was so big, I couldn't even get there. But then there were other concerts like Prince and The Prodigy and U2 and things like that. And I'll get some more, trust me. Um, but we just, we got lucky. It's just like the stars were aligned. The music gods, the gods of rock looked down on us and they gave us those tickets. It was awesome. So I just wanted to set the tone on kind of where we're going with this. This is part one. Part two will be next week. And we're going to look at some of the best concerts I've been to, some of the weirdest ones I've been to, some of the ones that I don't know why I was at. And then we're going to get into some of the stories. What did Rob Zombie have to say with me, to me? Did I hit on his wife and what happened? Did I even know it was his wife? Who did I meet? What did Steven Tyler do when I walked by him? I've got all kinds of stories. So uh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some of the best concerts and uh, some of the fun stuff. So next Friday on the Life of an Average Joe podcast, part two uh, for those about to rock will be on live Friday at 9 a.m. You can follow us on Spotify right here on Anchor. Amazon. We are now on Amazon. Don't forget that. Of course, Apple Podcast and anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can listen to the life of an average Joe. In the meantime, go back and check up on toy cars on the nightstand. Uh, read on my blogs. I just put up another one. So very excited about that. And every Tuesday, I'm on a show with Stuart Sachs called Trash Talk. Very fun. Good 15 minute show, maybe 20. And it's exactly what it sounds like. We dive deep and pull out the issues that everybody wants to talk about, <laughs> or really that we want to talk about. And it's Trash Talk with Stuart Sachs from KVGI Radio. Very excited um, to be doing that with him. I'm, uh, he invited me over to do it, and I accepted. So uh, I think we're on like our seventh or ninth episode. I, I don't know anymore. I think it's seven. Uh, so it's still fresh, and uh, we got a lot going on there. So you can listen to that on Spotify or right here on Anchor, uh, one of my favorite places.